This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. If you'll take your Bibles, and this evening we're going to begin, if you'll uh, turn to Hebrews 11, and then we'll be moving into the Old Testament uh, a little bit later. But in Hebrews chapter 11, we're reminded about faith. We're given examples of faith. The scripture also, in that text, defines faith. Last week we saw that without faith, it's impossible to please God titled The Message, and this will be the second half of that, but impossible Christianity. You can be a Christian, you can have the Spirit of God, and every Christian has the Spirit of God living in his or her heart, but even with this Holy Spirit there, without faith, it is impossible to please God. In fact, I was meditating on this text earlier today. Isn't it remarkable that we can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and have our hearts closed to Him. As Revelation says, He stands outside of our hearts and knocks. Um, That is so sad. Uh, But that's that's the reality. And so, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. It's impossible to live the Christian life. That's Hebrews 11, verse 6. And we took a deep look into our lives and the way God has made us. And one of the confusing things that Christians will will sometimes uh, deal with is, okay, I have this desire to do what is right. Paul said in Romans, to will, uh, to do what is right. That is present with me, but how to perform, I find not. And Paul is going to go on in Romans 6, 7, and 8, and he's going to help us understand, again, that it's only through Christ. But there are believers who think that I have this desire, and so in my own strength, I can perform. And Paul said, how to perform, I find not. Uh, Paul was used to, uh, as a, a Pharisee, uh, trying to keep the law and and gain his own righteousness by self-effort. And and later he had to confess that was all vain. Uh, But some Christians try to do that. They feel good. Well, I still have a conscience to do what is right. And and so once in a while I try. God understands. Nobody's perfect. and, And we've heard all those things. But we need to just push all that aside and understand that any good that is present in me is the Holy Spirit. And outside of Him, there's nothing there that is good or anything that can help. All right, so we need to understand that the key is faith. It unlocks the door that allows us to be able to please God. But who is the source of faith? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. He's the source of that too. 
So again, faith, we need to be able to define it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word uh, faith combined with substance there, that idea is that faith is the assurance of what has been promised by God that becomes conviction or proof, though physical eyes have not seen it yet. Faith is the substance, the assurance. It's the evidence, it's the proof, even though you maybe can't see it yet. All right, that's faith. Uh, there's no such thing for the Christian as blind faith. We, we've heard that. Well, that's just blind faith. Uh, no, when, when you are stepping out on what God has said and you're trusting him, you, it, you may not see anything, but you're taking a step out on a rock, an unmovable rock, the Lord, Okay. So genuine Christianity becomes possible when the heart chooses to be assured of what God has said, of course, the scriptures, and considers it the only proof needed to move on to obedience. Again, God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. There's a problem with those statements. God said it, and that settles it. But I better believe it. And even if I don't believe it, what God has said is settled, right? And so I need to believe. So genuine Christianity becomes possible when I understand that what God has said and who he is, that's the only proof that I need. Now, is it possible for God's people to live this way? It is, and I am so thankful for the Old Testament. All scripture is profitable I'm thankful that I can look back at Old Testament believers. Not all of them were indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but even Old Testament believers who were willing to take God at His word. God spoke. That's the substance. I, that's all the proof I need. Look at how God mightily worked in their lives. And in fact, in the faith chapter, Hebrews 11, those heroes of faith, how many of them are Old Testament believers? Most of them, okay? And so we, look, we took time to look at examples uh, last time, like Abraham, Naaman the leper. We looked at some New Testament examples, the disciples, Ananias, Acts chapter 9. All heard what God said, chose to be assured that it was reality, and obeyed without visual proof. Now, is it possible for God's people to live this way? Not only is it possible, God expects it. God requires it. He requires it from all of our heart. We just need to be willing to surrender all of our heart to him. And uh, again, I, I can't help but think back to the teaching we saw on Sunday about fasting what is, what, is what, is, I'm sorry, what is fasting for so that we can convince God to pay attention to us? It's very clear that the primary reason for fasting is God wants us to take time to give him all of our hearts so that there can be, watch this, faith there that doesn't die. Remember, you have not because you ask not or you ask 
amiss. That can be for the wrong reasons. And that can be in asking with, with unbelief, doubting that God will work. So it's a heart issue. We've got, God's got to get all of our heart so that we're willing to rest and trust Him. All right, so it's, it's possible. God expects it. He wants all of our heart. What was Jesus' criticism again of the disciples? Oh, ye of little faith. That was the problem. It was the unbelief that continued to hold them back from the life that they could live through him and uh, for him, the works that he expected them to do. Now, what does faith look like? And uh, we're going we're gonna to take some time to examine these and look at some examples that I think will encourage you uh, tonight. What does faith look like? Biblical faith, assurance, proof. Well, God will make me believe contrary to what I see. So let's have some discussion tonight. Once again, think about Bible examples. Can you think of anybody in the scripture God wanted them to believe contrary to what they could see? Help me. Abraham, okay, we, we mentioned him. Who else? Moses. Joshua. Noah. Wow, yeah. It's going to rain. It's going to what? Any others? Peter, good. Elijah. Okay, so I'm going to stop there because, Mary, did you save Elijah? Who said Elijah? Okay, you're going to steal my thunder. That's where we're headed, okay. If you stop and think about it, God didn't use anybody apart from faith. Joshua, Hannah. Samuel, you, you just start naming. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Look what they did because they believed God. So God will make me believe contrary to what I see. God will ask me to believe on an express statement in his word, and at times there will be nothing else to believe. Question, do we need anything else? but the express statements of his word. No. God wants me to believe even though there may be strong proof against what he has said. All right, so let's look at a biblical example of this, and this is going to take us to Elijah. All right, take your Bibles, and let's turn to 1 Kings 17. You'll remember this account, 1 Kings 17, verse 9. The Lord says to his prophet Elijah, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. All right, let's go back to our principle. God wants me to believe, even though there may be strong proof against what he has said. Does anyone know how Zidon and Queen Jezebel are connected? Anybody know? 
Queen Jezebel, her father, is a king. And guess where he's king? The region of Zidon. Okay? And so, when the Lord says to Elijah, I want you to do this for me, go to Zidon. Elijah's eyes probably got this big. Okay? And what do I do when I get there? Well, I have asked a widow woman to sustain thee. Okay. Uh, all right, Lord. There isn't a single question, a single word from Elijah, and he goes. Now, how does this work out? So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, Okay, water, she's going to get him water. He called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and what? Now let's go back to our principle. God wants me to believe even though there may be strong proof against what he has said. Is there any strong proof against what God's doing here? You're hesitant to answer that. Okay. But there's strong proof. You want me to feed you dinner? You haven't seen what's in my barrel lately, have you? Lord, you want me to go to enemy territory? Look. Jezebel's got it out for me. Certainly she's told dad about me. You want me to go there, enemy territory, and you're going to use a whip. Okay. And then, of course, you know the rest of the story. She protests. Elijah essentially says, trust God. I hope when we get to heaven, there's a museum. I want to see her barrel. I want to see some of these other things. I want to see Moses' rod. Okay, I don't know that that's, any of that's going to be there. The tree of life will be. That'll be great to see. But, but the point is, it, the barrel just kept producing. No, God kept producing. God spoke. It could not fail, right? All right, but... If, if they had operated on the basis of what they could see, stops there. Notice next, God wants me to believe and not debate the matter in my heart. 1 Kings chapter 18, if you go over just one chapter to verse 21, Elijah makes a startling statement. Elijah came unto all the people, he's on Mount Carmel, and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? These are the undecideds. If the Lord be God, follow him. If he, if, but if Baal, then follow him. All the people answered him. Not a word. Now put yourself in the place of these people. This God Baal that our king and queen are worshiping, he's no help. 
Everything's dried up. It's barren. We've been suffering now for these years. Okay? But if we speak up and say anything, we don't want to be on Ahab's bad side. So maybe had you been on top of Mount Carmel with these hundreds of priests of Baal, you may have held your peace too. Now that's not faith. That's walking by sight. But you know, we've got to be practical, right? By the way, faith is not always practical. It's right, but not always practical. So God wants me to believe and not debate the matter in my heart. Think back to the words of Joshua. He said, <laughs> you know, you choose you, this day who you're going to serve, but as for me and my house, settled. We're going to serve the Lord. I mark, I, uh, I wrote down here in my notes, and I'll just mention it, Matthew 6, 24. That's the text that we're going to be in on Sunday morning. But in Matthew 6, and that that passage right there, here's, here's the challenge. And again, it's, it's talking about faith. Why do some choose to serve money and things and not God? Well, because I can see money and I can see things and I know what those things, at least in my perception, can do for me. I can't always see what God can do for me. And in the end of that text, and this is what we're going to see Sunday morning, uh, God says you can't serve both. Okay? He says, so lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's what matters. Don't debate the matter in your heart. This then is the point where impossible Christianity... This is one of a few messages I preach where the title changes halfway through the message, okay? Now we're talking possible Christianity. How is it possible? Romans 1.17. For herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Okay? How do we show forth the righteousness that is of God? It's not mine. The righteousness that is, that is of God. How do I show that forth? One act or step of faith dependence after another. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Okay? So what is God doing to test and then grow your faith? Again, Romans tells us, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Now, think about that. Who is he? He's all-powerful. He's unchanging. His word cannot fail. You must believe that he is, and you have to put with who he is what he has said. you got to either come to God must believe that he is. That is not saying, okay, yeah, I believe he exists, but I doubt these things that he has said. You're talking a different God. Either he is and he has said, or he isn't and you don't need to listen. But you can't, you can't separate God from what he said. 
And then the rest of the verse must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Well, how do we know to seek him? Based on what he said. Okay? Based on what he has revealed about himself to us in his word. And so based on who he is and what he said about who he is, we seek him on that basis. And then when we take those steps of faith from faith to faithful step, God works through us to produce his righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? What a blessing we have through our God. So how is he moving you out of your comfort zone in order that he might reward you for diligently seeking him? Let me just give you some examples quickly. Fasting and praying. That'll take you out of your comfort zone. Giving. Based on what I see, I can't give. I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford. Giving. God will take you out of your comfort zone, but if you're obedient, watch him provide. How about confronting? If someone needs to be challenged spiritually, that's a step of faith. How about this? Listening. This is such a conviction to me, and I mean it brings me under conviction. Okay? The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He comes alongside. God speaks to you, just like he spoke to the saints in the Scripture. And when he speaks, it's not a voice, but when he speaks, it is so crystal clear. And I don't know how many times I've been involved in something and the Lord has spoken. You need to call and check on so-and-so. You need to stop what you're doing. Now I want you to do this. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but has the Lord ever done that with you? Faith says, okay, God, you get your way. I'm setting my way aside. I don't know how many times I've said, God, let me finish this and I'll, get, I'll be right with you. Only to see that just mess everything up. Because God spoke at the time that I needed to respond. Sometimes he speaks because he's, he knows, Mike, if you don't do it now, you'll forget. Guilty as charged. But that's the life of faith. Where when he speaks... I stop and I move and do what he says. How about listening? How about returning to the Lord because you've drifted off into some other direction and there's a clear area of obedience in Scripture and you've decided not now. Okay. Christianity is possible, but only when we choose to follow him by faith. So here's the conclusion about possible Christianity. Hebrews chapter 6, and I want us to turn back there. Hebrews chapter 6, please join me. Look at verse 1. This is sobering. Again, this, this convicts me.
But the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. All right? What is he talking about? Should we leave behind the doctrines about Christ? He's not saying that. He's saying that should be so understood and so functional in your life that you don't have to keep keep focusing on that. Do you know that there are some Christians that every day life is all just about confessing sin and trying to regroup because they're defeated? That's baby Christian stuff. And he's saying, move on to maturity, move on to being complete. You are in Christ. You ought to understand what that means so that you can move on. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. I just mentioned that. But look at this. And of faith toward God. What we have been looking at that is such a challenge to us, it's biblical. There's nothing wrong with going back there to taking a, take another good look. But you know that everything that we've talked about, it's Christianity 101. It's basic stuff, folks. That we ought to have a working, functioning understanding of what faith is and then move on to maturity. And not be still dealing with the doctrines of baptism. You know what? If you haven't gotten over baptism, you're an immature Christian. God expected that hours or days after you got saved. Why are you still debating that? Lack of faith. And of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Those are settled things for a mature Christian. And faith uh, is just functional for the mature Christian as they move on for the Lord. So what we've been studying is essential, but is basic. Those who are mature adults in the Lord and are able to handle the meat of God's word... Of course, Hebrews 5.14 talks about know and practice this because of exercise of use. They're so used to exercising it that living by faith is, well, I still depend. I have to depend every day for everything, but I understand how this works, and I'm trusting God. So let us go on to the stage of being mature spiritually, living lives from one faith-filled step to the next as we allow the Spirit of God to make us into the image of Christ. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for helping us understand faith. Lord, would our lives characterize absolute trust in our, our great God. Thank you for all that you've done to equip us Help us to be faithful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 
888-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.